0: Hey everyone, my name is Al Gugliata and I want to welcome you to the Unlearning Project. This is my attempt to break down the origins of our thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors, our biases, most of which have been imposed upon us by our upbringing. My main goal in this entire podcast is is to pivot from a place of self-judgment that we're all too familiar with, to a place of self-curiosity. Thanks for joining. Let's dive right in. This is The Unlearning Project. My name is Al Gugliata. I'm here with my co-host, Virginia Elder. Hey there. Hey, Virginia. <laughs> we have a fun topic today called cognitive biases.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it kind of stemmed from reading about confirmation bias, which is one of the cognitive biases. Okay. And this goes back to how our brains work and how, if you don't understand some of this stuff, it could lead to very poor decisions in your life.
1: (laughs) So what's cognitive bias versus confirmation bias? Like what are those things and why are they different?
0: So cognitive bias is what your brain does and how your brain's kind of tricked into believing certain things. For instance, mm-hmm. it's the tendency to interpret new evidence as confirmation of one's existing beliefs or theories. Okay. So, put another way.
1: So, is that where it's like you see something else that happened and then you're like, oh, see, I knew it. Oh, I knew that was going to happen.
0: That's a different one. That's the hindsight bias. Okay. You're jumping ahead, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, you're the psychology guy.
0: <laughs> that's right. So yeah, cut, put another way, okay. people who support or oppose a particular issue will not only seek information to support it, okay. they'll also interpret new stories in a way that upholds their existing ideas. So meaning you believe in something... And Mm -hmm. uh, let's take a for instance. We always use Trump. Let's use something different.
1: (laughs) I know, right? No (laughs) politics today. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you believe electric cars are better than ICE vehicles, internal combustion engines. Okay. And now all you do is you seek information that's going to prove you right. Mm. The idea is you're never seeing the opposing view. A lot of people do this in the stock market. They'll pick a stock and then they'll find all the information on the internet that's confirming that the stock is a great buy or it's a great investment. Ah. But they're not looking at the contrarian view of like, wait, maybe it's not a good investment. Let me see the other side. They don't want to hear that.
1: Hmm.
0: They just want to hear you know, the good stories about it.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And confirm and build up their belief because they've already decided that that was a good stock.
0: Right. So yeah, that's a problem. Basically, if you do that, especially if you do with politics... That's why people are digging their heels in so far on the left and the right. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear the other side. They just want to hear their side. And they want all the confirmation that their side's right.
1: Right.
0: And think how dangerous that becomes, like what we're going through with the racial kind of tensions and political tensions, of course, and like the Mm -hmm. economy and the virus and all this craziness that we're going through it seems like people pick a view and then they just run with that. Like everything about masks are mandatory and you have to wear them. And it's, okay, I believe that, I do. I also want to look at other doctors saying that masks aren't effective. Yeah, they're out there. And what are they Mm -hmm. saying? Mm -hmm. Can you make a decision based on seeing both points of view or?
1: Right, instead of just doing research just on one perspective. And I think maybe everybody else has seen that on social media as well, you know, especially election stuff and just all of these issues. You can answer someone's question or make a comment on someone's post, helping support a certain idea. Mm-hmm. But if they already are opposed to that, yeah, I don't know if they read the article or not. Or, yeah. But it doesn't matter. Like They just keep arguing and keep hammering the point. And you're like, okay, Never mind. Like, yeah. Out. <laughs> I saw that a lot. <laughs> and it can
0: happen in like little ways too. So not even on these giant scale, politics and economics and racial matters. Just think of like, mm-hmm. you have a friend that's crabby that you describe as like a crabby person. He's a negative Nancy. What do they call him? I'm not a Mary. <laughs> you ever hear of a Karen? Oh.
1: <laughs> Karen, shut up, Karen. That's right, you Karen.
0: Yeah, the kids say the Karen. I'm like, man, that, yeah. they're butchering all these names now. Now right. you got Nancy, Karen, Mary, geez. And they're
1: all women. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. all women.
0: <laughs> that's right, huh. that's right, they're women. So <laughs> the point being was, so you have a friend that's like crabby and negative and you're always looking for ways that yeah, this person is negative negative. So that's all you're seeing. You're basically looking for his negative traits or her negative traits. Right. And then that's confirming what you already believe. So he could be 90% of the time, he could be positive, but you're going to pick out the 10% of the time he's negative.
1: Yeah, you're going to notice every single time that person was crabby at the restaurant or rude to the waitress or yeah. texted back in a snarky manner, whatever it is, that's going to stand out.
0: That's a confirmation bias. or like your kids don't pick up after themselves. Like there's one kid that doesn't. Mm-hmm. So now every time the kid doesn't pick up, you're looking for that kid not to pick up after themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not seeing the times when he, maybe he did put the clothes away or whatever. Right. It goes in so many different tangents.
1: Right. I think that's a thing because, Like with kids, you're like, eat your dinner, eat your dinner. You never eat your dinner. Why do I have to tell you 15 times to eat your dinner? Just eat. And we try to tell ourselves this all the time. Stop saying eat your dinner. Just let them sit there. If they don't eat, I mean, clear your plate, be done. They can sit there by themselves.
0: If they're hungry enough, they'll eat. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't think any kid grows up not eating when food was in front of him.
0: And I was thinking, it's funny. You said you were saying never and always. Right. Like those are the words we try to avoid, just because yes. like so and so never does things on time, or you never, we, you're always doing this, and it's like, no, you're not. Yeah, I'll catch myself mid sentence saying something like that. You're always, all right. You sometimes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At times, you do this. Right,
1: you do this often.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of like a piece of that confirmation bias. You're looking for something to confirm an existing belief.
1: Right.
0: So it's subtle, but so important. I mean, Mm -hmm. the always and never thing though. That's I used to use that so much.
1: And I think we look for a recurring event, like in all areas of life. Mm -hmm. Like if you take your plate from the table and you dropped it on the way to the sink and broke a plate... The next time you pick up your plate, everybody at the table is going to kind of freeze for a second, you know, and be like, Ooh, don't drop it.
0: Oh God. Pressure's on. Right. Yeah, Butterfingers. Yeah. yeah.
1: Because we just look for patterns throughout life. The way you move or the way you eat or talk or the typical actions you take in response to something. Like we're always looking for patterns. Yeah. That's just the way our brains are built.
0: And it's it's really a little bit disturbing when I hear my daughter I'm like, why don't you go talk to so-and-so? I don't make friends. I, the people come to me. I don't. I can't approach people. No. I'm like, what are you talking about?
1: Where did you get that? Because
0: she's like, all the friends I have have approached me, and I'm not good at approaching people. I'm like, you keep telling yourself that. That's making you believe that. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. I've seen you walk up to people before. You've done it before. Right. She's spiraling this thought in her head, and it's anchoring in her brain that like, I'm someone that doesn't approach. Or she'll say, I'm not good at sports. I'm like, "Well, you never played sports." Because mm. you always know, said that you didn't want to. How do you know? Oh, well, I just I'm just not good at that. So you start to realize, you see the patterns in them, and I'm like, "Oh god, it's like <laughs> a dagger in my side." I'm like, "No, please don't say that. You're making yourself believe these things."
1: Yeah. And
0: they're not true.
1: Right. Cuz you've studied and you know and you've experienced firsthand How much the words we use matter and how much we can convince ourselves, especially when we say something out loud, that that's the truth when it's not, that's just a belief. And that kind of goes back to the the basis of the whole podcast (laughs) (laughs) theory here. Yeah,
0: unlearn (laughs) this stuff, man. Yeah. Because you you could see it taking shape in front of you. You could see it materializing and strengthening these belief systems, and you're like, uh-oh, all right. Mm-hmm. We got to recalibrate this because mm-hmm. it's going down a road where if it continues this way, yes. like, that little piece of string is going to be like a strong cable that's you're not going to be able to break. Right, Confirmation bias, that's the first one. The other one I like, which applies to finance and gambling, it's called gambler's fallacy. Hmm. So the gambler's fallacy this is when you think something will happen the reason why you think it's going to happen is because it hasn't happened yet. Okay. Which sounds kind of weird, but think of flipping a coin 10 times,
1: mm-hmm.
0: nine times it's tails. What are you going to guess for that 10th It's got to
1: be heads.
0: It's got to be heads. Nine times <laughs> in a row is tails.
1: you got to get the other one sometime, right?
0: But each probability is separate from the other. So it's... It's just as if you never flipped those first nine coins.
1: Interesting.
0: You still get a 50-50.
1: Yeah, the 10th flip does not depend upon any of the prior ones.
0: But for some reason, our brain goes to... Or like a roulette wheel, right? It's hit 10 times on black. The next one's got to be red. Mm-hmm. I do... That. We all do these things. Yeah. It's just the way our brains work. You're looking for a pattern. You're looking for what you think is like a legitimate probability, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's just... I don't know where we really get it from.
1: Do you think that's the same as looking at the stock market and seeing, okay, it's an all-time high. There's got to be a drop.
0: Yes. Perfect. Okay. Great example. (laughs) Because that's where we're at right now, right? We're at all-time highs.
1: Yes. And that's what I've been thinking and saying and, you know, just feeling over the past year, yeah, year-ish in general. I know we've had drops. Yes. But... What the heck? This is too high. This has got to be crazy. This has got to be inflated. There's got to be a drop coming.
0: Let me go on the sideline, wait until things get safe, right?
1: Yeah. And not that I'm taking any action whatsoever. I mean, I'm not doing anything, but just in my mind, it's like I'm setting myself up with the expectation that there's going to be a drop so that when there is, I'm not like spiraling into some, like, devastation or something. Like, I don't know what it is. It's like, if I can tell myself ahead of time, this is going to happen, then I can say, oh, see, I knew it would.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: What is that stupid game I'm playing? I've been
0: doing this 25 years and I still do what you're doing. (laughs) I I know this. I know this to the core, but I'm the same way. I look at the stock market and I'm like... (sighs) Man, what if I just really did go to the sideline right now and I hit the peak and then it drops 30% and I get back in 30% cheaper? Yeah. What kind of, I'm kind of cockamamie. like that doesn't make any you can't do that.
1: You've literally been trained not to do that. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and I still think it because like I'm trained against my better my false well, not better judgment, and crappy judgment. Right. So but Shelby to this day, like I'll start talking about stuff like this with her. I'll be like, "Well, mm-hmm. this stock went up this much." And I'm like, you know, it might be a good idea just to get a little safer now. And she's like, Remember the dead people that you always talk about from Fidelity? Like the best investors in the world are people that are dead. Yes. Because they don't touch things. Yes. They leave it alone.
1: They have not messed with anything. Yeah, the best thing
0: you could do, especially with a retirement account, is throw it in a time capsule. Mm-hmm. Set it up the way you want in the beginning. Yeah.
1: Percentage allocated and all that. Figure it out.
0: Set it and forget it. Put it in a time capsule. Never think about it. You'll do so much better then tinkering with stuff, thinking you're going to catch the bottoms and the tops or whatever. There's too many variables. Right. Who would have ever predicted from March until now? March, the worst you know month in history, one of the worst months in history in the stock market, it goes down 30% in a month. Mm-hmm. And now we're back to all-time highs. And we're still in the middle of this pandemic. And then now we're back. It makes zero sense.
1: No sense whatsoever to me.
0: I don't care if you're a financial, I don't care if you went to the Wharton Business School, Harvard Business School, if- I don't care what kind of degrees you have. It doesn't matter. That stuff just does not matter when it comes to Mm -hmm. finance and the stock market. Right. But just to put it out there, like I have the same feelings as what my clients feel, that you feel, that anybody else feels. I'm like, things are just going too good, right? When they're going too good so long, you want them to go down. It's like the nine times you get the tail, you're going to get the head
1: Right.
0: Right. That's why we're picking heads after nine flips because we think it can't go on like this forever.
1: Right. Well, I was going to throw it out there. Like maybe that's what makes you a good advisor is because you can sympathize with people (laughs) because you have the same (laughs) feelings.
0: Yeah. Every conversation I have where somebody's in a panic, I'm like, I get it. Yeah. You wouldn't be a human being if you didn't feel fear at this point.
1: Right. Either you're completely aloof.
0: Yeah, you're emotionless, you're a psychopath. Right, you're yes. just completely turned <laughs> yes. off. But again, that's the whole idea of that time capsule theory of just set it, throw your statement in a time capsule, never look at it again,
1: mm-hmm. and you'd be
0: better off than somebody just going in and out and trying to tinker with things and Right. So gambler's fallacy, something will happen because it hasn't happened yet. So the stock market's going to go down because it's been going up for 10 years straight. Right. So it's like, ooh, it's a dangerous thought process.
1: Dangerous assumption. Yeah. Because then what? You pull your stuff out, but then it doesn't go down. It just continues to go up and you miss all those gains.
0: And believe me, once you start missing those gains...
1: You're panicking. Well,
0: then you start reconvincing yourself that things are good now. Oh, now it's safe to go back in.
1: So then you buy higher.
0: Oh, Oh. Oh, God, (laughs) this is gut-wrenching. I know. (laughs) See? you feel my pain, right? This is what I go through on a daily basis
1: so what about like the um the lottery so think about the lottery like you're buying your ticket you know you spend maybe i don't know some people spend a lot of money every week
0: the whole life they'll yeah. spend every week they'll play yeah, yeah. True. so
1: cumulatively over time yeah and they're probably not doing that great financially anyway no. so they can probably actually really use that money in their own savings yes And so you add that up, how much they've spent week after week, but they're just thinking, well, I've never won. So I'm going to win. I'm going to win.
0: Yeah. They're always overestimating their chances, right? So it has no basis in reality. There's zero basis in any type of real probability. Yeah. Because what is it? One in whatever, one in 15 million or whatever, more than that, probably. Ridiculous. Yeah. You have more of a chance to get bit by a shark, (laughs) but you think you're going to win because for whatever reason, you think, yeah, it's this weird psychology that you start thinking things that are not true.
1: Yeah. Well, and I don't know how it is in all the other states, but at least the Texas lottery, you know, there are times when it does get really large.
0: Yes. And oh, yeah. it's
1: all over the news, you know, 250 like it's million
0: paid. or whatever. Yeah. A ridiculous amount of money.
1: Yes. At those times, you're almost like, I should just buy a ticket. Like, just, what the hell? Yeah. Just five, one, five
0: bucks. You know? I should yeah. Spend five bucks.
1: We've done it once or twice, but so when you do that, then you're like checking the numbers to oh, see yeah. if you won, like as if you had a chance. <laughs> Come on. Right. Come on.
0: But somebody wins. So the whole idea is that somebody wins. Somebody
1: wins. And if not, it keeps going. It gets bigger.
0: <laughs> right. If nobody ever won, you'd never buy the ticket, but somebody wins, right? Eventually. Eventually. Same thing with a shark attack on the negative side. Somebody got bitten by a shark. Somebody got eaten by a shark at some point. Yeah. Not many, but it happens. Somebody. And now you're scared. Yes. All right. So So crazy. The reverse of that is this thing called hindsight bias. Okay. It's looking back at an event saying, we knew it all along. So you look back at something, you're like, I knew that was going to happen. I'm like, no, you didn't. You didn't know. Like the housing collapse. (laughs) Yes. So 2008, 2009, (laughs) when everyone's house doubled in value and... That's not normal. And the, like, the housing market goes up very mm-hmm. incrementally. And then in two years, it just doubles. Like, everything's just flying off the shelves. Like you said, you, mm-hmm. they're handing out loans left and right. They're doing these ninja loans, no income, no job.
1: Yeah. And it's so funny because I was one of those people that was like, and I shared this before, but... Yeah. When we got our loan and we got our first house... I looked at my husband and was like, that was too easy. That was insanely easy. We put no money down. They just gave us a $140,000 home, which for us, you know, starting out as a young couple, we were like, holy crap, like this is such a big purchase. We were kind of nervous about it, but we were really (laughs) trying to be smart about it. Yeah. But I just remember thinking, that was way too easy. They Did they confirm our income? Are they sure? Mm. You know, it's was just like, I was questioning everything. And that was 2005. So then in 2008, when all the prices crashed and you couldn't sell your home if you wanted to. Yes. I don't remember the housing market doubling, but I do remember thinking, holy cow, do they just give loans to everybody? Mm-hmm. And then when it did hit, I was like,
0: oh, I knew it all along. I knew it, right. it was too
1: easy. I just knew that.
0: Yeah. Think about this virus. Nobody could have predicted that, right?
1: So there could be some. We had briefly mentioned this before. You had said there was a speech by Obama that is very eerie, if you can look that up and find that. Yeah. Um, And then you had Mm -hmm. mentioned Bernie Sanders.
0: Yeah, it was Bill Gates and Bernie Sanders both had these like prophecy kind of speeches before. Right. Well, yeah, Bernie Sanders is more relating to Trump.
1: Mm.
0: Before ever, anything happened, he laid it out exactly the way it played out.
1: Yeah, but I think I saw some stuff from Bill Gates. I think I know what you're talking about. It was about.
0: 2015. Mm-hmm. He's talking about a global like pandemic, mm-hmm. the possibility of having that's. And people are sitting there listening like, yeah, okay, yeah, one of the smartest guys on the planet.
1: Right. All right, let
0: me just go on my way and not ever think about that
1: again. Yeah. Well, and I think Obama's speech was in response to like SARS or one of the other sicknesses that could have been really bad, but they got in front of it quickly. And so then they created this plan and he's talking about the possibility and all this. And if you go back and you watch that, you're like... Holy shit. All of that just happened. Like everything he said just came true.
0: Yeah. That's creepy. I
1: don't know if that's like hindsight bias, but you're like, oh my gosh, he said that. He said, how did he predict that?
0: Yeah. Like he knew it all along. Right.
1: He didn't. He was just going off of, science and what his top advisors were telling him to prepare for
0: it kind of it's funny it kind of goes a little bit hand in hand with that gambler's fallacy like you're thinking Mm. you flip that coin the 10th time and it does go heads i knew it i knew that was gonna happen it just would nine (laughs) tails of course it's gonna be heads
1: We didn't have a pandemic since 1918,
0: so it had to happen, right? Right. <laughs> now it had to happen, right? Every, Every
1: 100 years at least. Yeah.
0: All the stuff, like this And the stock market crash, right? It had to happen. It's been 10 years. Yeah. You know, is it going to be a double dip recession? Is it going to be... So we had a recession back in March, the shortest recession we, we ever had.
1: Super fast. Yeah. Oh,
0: of course. Like if it happens again, then people are going to be like, of course it's going to happen. We were in a pandemic. Oh, really? Were you saying that the whole time the market was going up? Right. Well, during the time where you thought it was going to go down, but it went up, it did the opposite of what you thought. Right. We just, it's just all of these cognitive biases are about us in some way thinking we're smarter than we are.
1: Right. Or like in trying to predict or identify a pattern. Yeah. There's all these different, and again, I think it goes back to if I can say something ahead of time and like prepare my brain for that to happen, then I won't freak out when it actually happens because I'll be like, oh, I knew that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You're not going to prevent the feelings, but you can catch yourself, right? Right. So I'm telling you that I've been doing it 25 years, but I still have the thoughts of markets at all time highs. Maybe it's a good time to get out. Oh, something's going to happen soon. Right. But I know better. So I just tie my hands. and like Don't touch anything. Don't touch the keys. <laughs> uh, don't hit buttons. Like Leave everything alone. Another one is the anchoring bias, which I wanted to touch upon.
1: Tell me about that one.
0: We mentioned, I think, on one of the most recent podcasts, but it's like, the first piece of information regarding a subject. Yes. Determines your views on that subject. Mm. And it's just a matter of timing, right? The first thing that comes across your plate really has an effect on what you're going to believe regarding that subject. Mm -hmm. So whether it's Mm -hmm. for politics or for even the stock market. So we were talking about that guy on the Dave Ramsey show.
1: Yes. Okay, share that story.
0: Okay, so question on the Dave Ramsey show. He says, I got $2 million I've saved basically over my entire career. i am in my mid to late 50s with my wife, but I'm scared that I'm not going to have enough to retire, that it's not going to last the rest of my life. Mm. Turns out... Spent the entire time, his whole life in a savings account, never had the money invested. So literally saved all of that money dollar for dollar with no return on his investment. Oh my God. Maybe he got one percent the whole time.
1: Oh, wow. The savings power he must have had to save two million I mean, like straight.
0: Hardcore saver, yes. Wow. And he probably would have had, I'm just Spitballing, but he probably would have had five times the amount. Instead of two million, he would have 10 million. Yes. All he had to do is move that bucket from the money market to some diversified mutual funds. Some
1: fund. Yes, Something. anything. yeah Right? Pretty much anything. Yes.
0: So he didn't do it. And now he's late 50s scared. And now he's looking for advice of what to do. And it's like, are you really going to convince this guy to get in the market 30 years? Mm-hmm. He knows he just missed a 10 year bull run Mm. and like we said it could continue to go higher
1: it could
0: but now he's five to ten years away from pulling the trigger on work right do you take that shot now and Mm. I don't know it's so ingrained after 30 years he never caught it Mm -hmm. and that's like you said it's so sad because it's not a complete thing but his mind couldn't wrap around that fear
1: yeah I find it so sad that he couldn't either dive in and do the research, just like one weekend, right? Like what is one weekend in the grand scheme of your life? Like just dive in, take an online class. Like, I don't know. I mean, there's people out there that educate about that stuff. If you want to do it yourself or do the research and interview advisors, do whatever it takes to find someone that you trust to do that for you. And I'm just so sad that either he never was brave enough to take the time to do it himself or was never determined enough to find someone that he trusted. Mm -hmm. That makes me so sad for him.
0: (laughs) Or maybe he could have learned more about cognitive biases. (laughs) He would have realized that his brain was telling him and it could have been that anchoring bias. Maybe his dad, when he was a kid said, "Yes, never get in the stock market because I lost my shirt in the market.
1: Right. Or
0: he looked at the TV screen during the 87 crash and it was the worst day ever in the market. People lost their life savings. He was like, I'm never going near that. And never questioned that. Yes.
1: Or maybe a buddy that was like parallel in his career and he saw this guy go downhill with you right. know, some market crash. Trading, make a bunch of bad whatever. Decisions. Yeah.
0: yeah. So many things could have happened, <sighs> but that anchoring bias is a weird one because it's that first piece of information that you get taints everything, all your views going forward.
1: Hmm. It's so funny because I did grow up learning and hearing and kind of knowing that the market was so risky and like not to play around with stocks. Yeah, And I do know that there was like a little stint where my dad did get into day trading and that did not work out well, Yeah, but I never, I mean, my memory doesn't go beyond that. And I'm not necessarily afraid of the market. I don't think, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm invested, but I've been very aware of Okay, do funds and indexes. Do, uh, right. Don't tinker with it and index it. Yeah, like try to diversify naturally, if you you know, if you will. <laughs> yeah, so that's interesting because that could have been a bias for me. Is like, oh, well, I saw my dad do it. Like, don't get involved with that.
0: True, but you educated yourself over the years.
1: Interesting. Yeah, a
0: lot of it's just about again looking at the other side.
1: Mm.
0: All right, so now you had that one piece of information that says. Stock market is dangerous. You could lose all your money. Yeah. All right. Now look at maybe somebody that was successful in the stock market. What do they have to say?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm
0: not saying you can't still believe that the market's terrible. But you haven't looked at anything mm-hmm. else. You haven't even explored the possibilities. Right. And we were talking about this with friends that have jobs that they've been stuck in for 20 years yes. that they hate. They've always wanted to do something else. But I had one specific friend tell me that I just can't take a $2,000 pay cut. You can't take it.
1: A... It's just $2,000.
0: Right. And it may be just temporary for a couple of years. And then you're back yeah. to...
1: Couldn't you make that back in a bonus?
0: Probably. But his <laughs> whole idea much. was that I cannot take any step back. Oh. So now you're now in a job that you hate for
1: and you're trapped. 20
0: years. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's sort of like you've convinced yourself that... It's impossible to take a step backwards. Yeah. When you could really get five step forward if you did.
1: Yeah. Fear. Just straight fear.
0: <laughs> yeah. They call it the ambiguity effects. Okay. It's you're favoring a choice that has known outcomes rather than taking a chance that has unknown possibilities.
1: Okay. Right?
0: So you're like sticking with what you know. You talked about it with accounting.
1: Right.
0: I did it with working for corporate America. Right. You know what you know.
1: Yeah. At least you have that job. And when you're in that job, you... Even though you really could be fired at like any moment or the company yeah. could go under or like something crazy could happen, you're really not secure, but you think you're secure. You think you have a guaranteed salary. every
0: two weeks, that same amount of money goes into that checking account. Everything's just they put yeah. it on this grid. You have health insurance, you get your health insurance card. And you feel like if you don't have like this payroll coming in, your health insurance card, that your whole life's gonna be in disarray and you can't do it.
1: And I think we're taught, and I, I think the school system is tweaked this way to make us believe that that's the right way to go. But we're taught yeah. that that is security. That is the dream, right? Just to have the salary and the good job and the health insurance card. And
0: I have been telling my kids since she was so young, like, if you don't want to go to college, don't go to college.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, if you want to go for something that you really are interested in, fine, go. Don't think you have to go. Suffer through it. The last thing I want you to do is to get a job in corporate America to freaking sit in a cubicle. Forget all that. You don't want to do that. Does anybody want to do that? Does Mm -hmm. anybody want to sit in a cubicle all day?
1: Not if they're honest with themselves.
0: (laughs) Right. You could be appreciative of what you have, right? So there we go back to... Right. There's plenty of people sitting in cubicles that are just like, I'm just thankful to have a job and I'm grateful.
1: Yes. But I think the aspirations are more of like, I want to do this type of work, or I want to work on this kind of team, or I want to feel this yeah. way with my team at work. Right. But I don't think your goal is like, I'm going to sit in a cubicle in a room with a hundred <laughs> yeah, other people in their <laughs> cubicles where no one really has a window cubicle.
0: Artificial light. We're
1: all just like silently. Yeah, yeah, we're
0: slowly dying.
1: Yeah, we're all silently suffering.
0: Dying inside. I
1: don't think that's the goal, but I think your goal <laughs> would be the way, the maybe the work you're doing or the the communication you're having, or maybe you have a really cool Mm -hmm. work crew. Like, yeah, that's fun.
0: That's a good point. I guess I just want you started talking about how we're almost grooming Mm -hmm. kids to go in this path of here you go. Yes. This is the fast track to corporate America. It's antiquated. Yeah.
1: No, the system is not created to create entrepreneurs. Yes. The system was created to create cogs. Yeah. And unfortunately that's how we were raised and that's why it's so hard to break out and right. You know, you look at entrepreneurs and you're like, "Oh my god, they're so brave." Or you know, some some successful person that's built their own business. Oh, they're so brave.
0: I think it's a fear thing too. Why wouldn't we be scared? We were taught that. We were taught to take that track. And that going off of that track is scary and you don't know what's going to happen. You could be broke. Maybe. And you could never make money. And
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's this big shift. We have a lot of parents that didn't go to college. So then there was that stigma of being uneducated and struggling and lower middle class. And so then they made us go to college.
0: Yeah. They're like, now, yeah, my son was the first person to go through college. (laughs) Right. Exactly. The first person in the family. Yes.
1: Yeah. Exactly, me too. Yeah, we have that, and I think there was a lot of expectation attached to that, right? And maybe you feel this way too. But now, being an entrepreneur, there is that sense of like, oh crap, did I throw my degree away? Was did I like, yeah, you know, waste that time or whatever? And, and I don't think so because I use a lot of my skills, and my husband and I talk about this probably same page you're on is that whatever your degree is. I don't think it's so much that you learned about that profession. Right. It's that you learned how to research, how to show up, how to be responsible, how to speak, how to, yeah. you know, all these soft skills, if you will. Sure. More than...
0: I don't go through a project and yeah, finish it. Yeah, and present kinda, it to yeah. the
1: class and present good arguments to the teacher as to why you deserve a better grade or... yeah. That was the purpose of your degree. It wasn't that you walked into the work world knowing Mm -hmm. about accounting. I didn't know crap about accounting. Right. All of the stuff that I did with accounting to use my degree was taught on the job. I had the basics. Yeah. So we talk about that too.
0: That's right. So there is value in college. You're changing my views (laughs) a little bit on the college thing. If I had it my way, which it's not my way for... I have all kids just become entrepreneurs or just figure something out that's outside the box of corporate America.
1: Yeah.
0: And again, this is my slanted bias Mm. against corporate America because I had not such fun experiences within that environments.
1: Well, and I don't think you're too far from our perspective is the same way we tell the kids all the time, you know, there's really good money in other professions. Like you don't have to have a college degree Yeah. and maybe you'd be happier. Right. You've, fix somebody's air conditioning during the hundred degree summer. You know how happy those people are. (laughs) You know how thankful those people are that you showed up to their house that day. Mm -hmm. Like that feels pretty fulfilling to me, even just talking about it. Yeah. So we've told the kids and we've talked privately between ourselves that if you choose to go to college as an adult, Mm -hmm. I feel like you're going to work harder and do better at whatever profession you've selected, because even just like our friends that pursued another degree or a different level as an adult, they love their jobs and they are very passionate about what they're doing. And it's on a totally different level than what, we're experiencing from our college degree because we were forced to go to college at 18 and we didn't know what we wanted. Mm. I think there's value there too, is just being given the freedom to do what you want and then choose when you're more mature.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. College to me was just a social, Oh yeah. you know, experiments basically. It was just fun. Yeah. I did enough to get by and just enjoyed the experience. And,
1: exactly.
0: But yeah, I didn't go there for any vision of what I wanted to do in the work world or as a career. None of that. just had no clue when I got out of college what I was going to do. Yes. Just kind of started from scratch.
1: So I think we're all putting our biases into what we're saying for our kids, for their education. I think it's impossible not to.
0: Yeah. This is so funny. It's like I'm bringing out my own biases just in this conversation. (laughs) I should leave it more open that I think college has its place. Not going to college has its place. Right. It depends on what you want to do. But I definitely have been leaning towards, you don't even have to go to college. Don't even think about it.
1: I think there's value in saying you don't have to go because that just takes the pressure off and it leaves it to where she can say, oh no, I want to go. I want to learn about this thing. This accounting is really interesting to me.
0: Right. Yeah. Or (laughs) something, right? Yeah.
1: But for me... My bias would be that when I was in high school, I felt a lot of pressure to choose mm-hmm. what you were going to study, where you're going to go. Why are you going to study that? What's your right. salary going to be? <laughs> What's the salary range? What kind of lifestyle will that give you? You know, I was just like, oh, God, like Right, so
0: 17 years old. Yeah, yeah
1: you trying to decide what you're going to do for your life at that age. I know. And my husband brought up that in Europe, the kids at a young age either go into like a technical school and I could be getting this a little bit off. This is total hearsay. I've not done any research, (laughs) but either, you know, like 14 or 15, you either decide to go into like a technical education kind of program. That's very set on teaching you the skills that Mm -hmm. you need for that career or you start working.
0: Right. I see.
1: So that's also where a lot of the soccer players and stuff like that, when you're 14, 15, really pretty young, yeah, you're deciding, okay, I'm going to go and try to be a professional soccer player. I'm going to go and I'm going to be an accountant or, you know, I want to stay in yeah. school or I don't.
0: I think that's definitely the way to do it, to be an apprentice in many different things. Try Because once you get to be an adult, there's too much pressure to make a living.
1: Yes.
0: That's when people get trapped for 20 years. They can't... or they don't think they can now try eight different things and then find that one gem that's like, wow, Mm -hmm. that's the one thing I really wanted to do. And they spend their whole life doing something they don't want to do. So yeah, I think it's more coming from that mindset about the not going to college. Because I feel like college... If you're not going there for a purpose, it's not really doing anything, it's grooming you for general corporate America. Find some big company, they'll hire you, and then they'll teach you whatever they're going to teach you because you have a bachelor's degree or whatever. Yeah. So it's that fine line. Like You don't want to push your kid to try to make big adult decisions or these life decisions. No. You want them to try many different things. Right. But you also want to be productive adults that aren't just not doing anything.
1: <laughs> right. You can't come back and live at home.
0: No, no, no 30 year old (laughs) kid is living with me. Yeah. No, no.
1: But yeah, it's every aspect of our lives. Biases exist. I mean, they can't not, right? So with parenting. It's just part of the
0: thinking process. The way you
1: eat, the way you do your health, the way you work, all of these things, there's some biases that are affecting every choice that you make.
0: And you're always going to have them. And the point of this whole unlearning of biases is that you're not really going to unlearn them. They they are what they are mm-hmm. and you're going to have them. But if you could be somewhat aware of them yes, and catch it, if you can catch it in the moment, like I was saying midway through this, where it oh, always said never, I'm saying it again, always say never or <laughs> always those two words, always and never.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, they're not.
1: Yeah. The definitive language like really traps you in A thought pattern.
0: Yeah. Certain
1: level of assumption.
0: And if you can catch it, you can change it, but it's not permanent. Yeah. That's why it bugs me when I see kids that are doing that. They have that repetitive, they're telling themselves they're not good at something or that they're not social or I'm not this. Yes. You don't know what you are. You're 13 years old. Are you gonna tell me you're not social? You just that you feel uncomfortable <laughs> in social interactions, which everybody does.
1: Guess what? I was super awkward at 13 too. Like, yeah, that, doesn't, it that doesn't
0: define anything. No. And it doesn't define anything if you played a game in gym class and you didn't you didn't score a basket at basketball. Now you're just a bad basketball player.
1: Right. Now you're not good at sports. Like what?
0: Yeah, it's this weird reframe of just, and you can tell a children this. You could say, listen. You're not proficient at the sport now because you've never played it. It doesn't make you bad at anything. Mm -hmm. Everybody's bad when they first start something. If you want to even call it bad, they just don't know the skill. You got to learn it.
1: Right. That's like, same thing. We kind of touched on this before, but the whole growth mindset is like a trigger word right now. Growth
0: mindset. Yeah.
1: But that goes right along with it is that you weren't born athletic or not, or good at math or not. Every single thing that every single one of us do is a practiced, learned skill. You aren't perfect at something the first time you do it.
0: Yeah. I think some people have a proclivity towards certain things. Obviously, you're not going to be a professional professional. NFL player, if you're five foot two and 110 pounds, right? Maybe if you're an amazing kicker, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but you know what? Most of it can be learned, mm-hmm. but there are going to be people that are just inherently better at math and science than other kids are going to be better at writing and something else, right? It doesn't mean that they can't know science and math, it's just right. I think that what happens is they get this hard kind of line of, I can't do that, I'm the person. I can't do that.
1: Do you think that has anything to do with the instant gratification society kind of thing that's going on right now?
0: As far as telling themselves they can't do it? Yeah. Yeah, cuz then it's Yeah,
1: like, like if you try something once and you're so programmed with like our phones yes. and TV and just all this stuff is just instant gratification. So, okay, I tried one time and I can't do it, so that's it. Because if I got what i wanted and was instantly gratified in that one basketball goal boom i'm an amazing basketball player but since i didn't get that instant gratification then i'm i'm just terrible and i'm not going to do that anymore
0: i do think it i think it's a get out of jail free card it's kind of like that short term relief of ah oh, i don't have to even try like now i don't even have to think about Aww. doing that but long term that's a shitty way to live right because yes. You never learn anything. Like I had a friend that been telling me since we were in college, like I always wanted to play guitar. I always wanted to play guitar. I was, and I play a little bit of guitar. So I have a guitar here. I just kind of learned a little bit on my own. Yeah. And so finally I was just like, here, take my guitar. You could ha- you borrow it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And oh, yeah, I'm going to start trying to learn how to play guitar. A month later, he gave me back the guitar. And he's like, I I can't play this thing. I'm just not good at music. (laughs) I'm like, it's been a month and you haven't even taken a lesson. What did you expect to happen? Do you expect that as soon as you put it in your hands, you're going to be Eddie Van Halen? I mean, I don't know. What was the expectation? I think that's also what it is. Not only they're not delaying the gratification, the expectations are just way off.
1: Yes. And again, I think it has a lot to do with the common use of, you know, YouTube and TV and phones. Yeah. And just, you're constantly just seeing people who are so good at this yep. thing.
0: And you don't see the backstory. You don't see all the yeah. years and year. I know.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. it's all this social media or electronics or the damn internets.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not going to go down without a fight talking kids out of this kind of stuff though. Yeah, Because I think it's all such a fallacy. And winds up creating a life that's... What are you going to do? So you, you're starting things and then stopping. Starting and stopping. Because you're like, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that.
1: Mm-hmm. You're never actually going to pursue anything, anything. that like, actually matters.
0: Yeah. And the, I always heard the idea that things become more fun when you get oh, yeah. good at them. Oh, yeah. If you're not good at guitar, it kind of sucks. You don't know how to play. Yeah, you're struggling, you start
1: being... you're frustrated. Yeah, you get to It's be just more... like you with the drums.
0: It is. It gets more fun the better you get. Yeah. When you're proficient at something, that makes it more enjoyable. Yeah. But if they're not putting those two together. They're just thinking that I just need to get from beginner to very proficient, mm-hmm. but I don't want the work in between. hmm I'm like, well, you got to do the work in between. And then when you get to that proficiency, you're going to enjoy it more. But those things are kind of separate in their minds.
1: Something I heard recently was like, of course, everybody has fear. We know this. The only way to get past that or get through that, because your instant reaction is probably something around procrastination whether you think, oh, I need to research some more or, oh, I need to Mm -hmm. sign up for lessons or whatever it is. There's something that you're doing that's procrastinating. And it may really just look like procrastinating where you're just not doing it. And you're just looking at the guitar in the corner being like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But the only way to tackle that and to get past that and to relieve the stress that's in that procrastination is to just take action. Right. There's no way around it. But yet that's the hardest thing to do when you're in that fear, procrastination, can't, I don't know, I don't believe in myself, whatever the thoughts are. Yeah. The only way to tackle that is to take massive action toward that thing.
0: Well, that's the whole idea behind you could be thinking whatever you're thinking and still acting the way you want to act. Like we were talking about values the last episode. Yes. So you could be nervous, you could be this, you could be that, you could be procrastinating, you could be anxious angry, whatever you want to be, and you could still sit down and play that guitar. Mm-hmm. It might not be that enjoyable. I'm just saying that you can do the acts. Mm-hmm. But I think our brains convince us of, oh, I can't do that. I'm just too stressed out to do that. Or I mm-hmm. I can't do that right now. Tomorrow I'll do it because I'll feel better tomorrow and then I'll do it. Right. But you can really take these actions no matter what your emotional state, whatever. for the most part.
1: I have not picked up a musical instrument in like ever. but (laughs) (laughs) I had piano lessons when I was like eight, I think. Yeah. But with other things that I know that I need to do, or maybe I'm like, "Eh," you know, it's kind of a stressor, but I'm not ready to address it and tackle it. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of 10, I figure out that when I actually sit down and say, damn it, you're going to do this thing. (laughs) Yeah. It is way easier than I made it out in my head to be maybe I can't get it done in two hours, but I can make significant progress. Yeah. And all that time and all those thoughts that I wasted procrastinating and setting myself up with this spinning mindset of fear. Mm-hmm. I just sat there and did it and made like a ton of progress. Yeah. Hello. Like, you
0: avoided all that suffering. It's like yeah. you're just suffering like because you're thinking about it. Yeah. It's not like if you walk away from it, it'll be out of the mindset if you're kind of ruminating on it, you're just suffering. Mm -hmm. just do the damn thing. Every night
1: saying like, oh man, I didn't get to this thing. Oh, I got to do that. Oh, I got to do that. Night after night.
0: Yeah, just scratching the back of your brain. Yeah.
1: Just sit down and do the thing. I know. (laughs) Oh my God.
0: (laughs) That's right. Yeah how cognitive biases lead to poor decisions sometimes. It's just yes. just poor decisions. Because
1: you thought ahead of time that it was going to be difficult. So you just kept putting it off, right? Yeah. Does that count? Is that a cognitive right. bias? Right,
0: yeah, it's, it is. I think so. Yeah.
1: I'm trying to loop it together. Yeah, right. But... <laughs> Let's
0: loop it back around. Let's wrap the show up.
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
0: Well, thanks for joining us here at The Unlearning Project. We'll be back next week.
1: And remember, we're doing every other oh, week Oh, that's now. what I meant.
0: Every other week. Yeah, we're going to give ourselves a little time in between episodes to do a little more research. Yeah. So yeah, follow us at theunlearningproject.org.
1: And on Instagram at unlearning underscore project. And then if you just search for Unlearning Project Podcast on Facebook, you'll find the page too.
0: Unlearning Project Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you again in two weeks. See you
1: in a couple weeks.